Here's what you missed on Buck Sexton with America Now. We have Kim Strassel on the line. She is the author of The Intimidation Game, How the Left is Silencing Free Speech, and she's a columnist and editorial board member at The Wall Street Journal. Kim, great to have you back. It's great to be here, Buck. Uh, okay, what's your what's your overall take? What's your what's your bottom line on what's happened this week with the administration, Russia, collusion, Donald Trump Jr.? Where are you on all this? My bottom line is that this has to be one of the most boring stories to hit Washington in so long, because uh, it's a giant nothing burger. Uh, and the degree to which the media is escalating it into something it is not is just astounding to me. What do you think they think they're going to find out? I mean, we already have Senator Kane using the word treason. We have others who clearly think that this is going to lead to a, a criminal a criminal case of some kind. In fact, I think earlier today, didn't we have the first member of Congress introducing an article of impeachment against Trump? Yeah, that actually happened. I'm saying that here. Representative Brad Sherman of California. Uh, is Do you think they really believe they're going to get to a criminal indictment against Trump or one of his top people, or is this just all part of the political climate? Let's say I think that they don't care whether they do or not. I mean, obviously, they would like that in the end. But in the meantime, what they recognize this strategy is of diverting away from any other agenda that the Trump administration is pursuing. So the longer that they can keep the media focused on collusion and try to delegitimize the president, the harder it is for him to get through with his message and the administration's message. And uh, it disrupts the work that Republicans are trying to do in Congress. Um, It potentially divides Republicans, forces them to take sides on issues. So for them, in the short term, politically, this is a very valuable strategy for them. In the long term, whether or not they get a conviction uh, is not likely, but they figure, what the heck, we might as well try. I know on the Wall Street Journal, uh, there was a piece, White House aides worry policy will take a back seat to email uproar. I feel like, Kim, that's almost a certainty at this point, right? Uh, there's no way that there aren't ramifications, there aren't second-order effects of a White House that is under siege like this in ways that don't benefit the American people. Essentially, they have to handle this issue first and foremost. That means they are not dealing with one way or another taxes, one way or another immigration, etc. Yeah, and this is the one area where I had some criticism for the president with regards to this Russia question is that, look, I don't have a problem with the president tweeting. My problem was with the content of the president's tweets. He is sitting on top of what is probably the most powerful media tool that any elected leader has ever had, which is that Twitter account. And he could be using it to every day be forcefully pushing his agenda, pressuring Republicans, pressuring individual Republicans who are holdouts on some of this legislation that he wants to see through. Uh, you know, undermining the Democratic arguments uh, for why you don't want health care change. He could really be using it effectively. But every time he instead gets frustrated and tweets about the media or tweets about Jim Comey or tweets about the Russia thing, it, it, it's diluting the, his ability to get his agenda out. So, uh, you know, if they want their policy agenda to be first, they're going to have to work a little bit harder to make sure it's first. One of the major frustrations 
that the, the president has revolve uh, revolves around leaks. Uh, we I've spoken to you, or rather, I've, I've seen your piece before and talked about it here on air, Kim, about uh, leaks and, and the, the criminal leaks that have been ongoing uh, during this administration. But there are also the palace intrigue leaks, right? There's the, uh, the, the White House advisor telling somebody that some other White House member or staff person is going to get fired or there's infighting, whatever it may be. How do you think this information, I know you don't know, but how do you surmise this information about Donald Trump Jr. found its way to the New York Times? I don't, that is an interesting question. And you raise a very concerning issue about this White House, which doesn't get as much attention as it deserves for the simple fact that the press loves that there are rival camps within this administration and that they get leaks from them. And so you haven't had uh, kind of stories worrying about the effects that this is having on this White House and the degree to which it is undermining its mission. And, you know, were I Donald Trump, that would be one of the first things uh, I or my chief of staff would be focused on is figuring out who in this is, is doing the leaking. But also that because that might also involve some wholesale change and sweeping out at this White House right now, they do have a number of rival power centers of different people who have very different agendas and who want the president's ear. And it's all well and good to say that it's nice to have a team of rivals. But if those team of rivals are ultimately attempting to use their position to undercut each other and bring to and hurt the administration's agenda, then then that needs to change. So what I have to assume happened here is that Donald Trump Jr. probably disclosed this information, either to congressional investigators or to the special counsel who's now looking at this. Someone got a glance of it and decided for whatever reason uh, that it would benefit them internally in some way to get it out in the press. Yes, a team of rivals would make sense. A, a team of enemies inside your White House is definitely not a good idea. And it's starting to feel right. like that exists at some level. We just don't know uh, who's on what side just yet. Uh, we're speaking to Kim Strassel. She's author of The Intimidation Game and a Wall Street Journal uh, editorial columnist. Kim, uh, where are you on Healthcare right now. Uh, what do you think about Mitch McConnell saying by the end of the week they're going to have a new bill? We're being told it's going to be, well, meh. It's not going to be great, but it'll be better. Uh, what do you think? Well, first of all, I don't necessarily think it'll be better <laughs> because let's be honest here. What just happened is in these backroom meetings is you had a team of moderates that whined and moaned until they got more Medicaid money and until they ran and hid on the, quote, politics of the rich argument and demanded that several of the Obamacare taxes remain in the bill, I mean, remain in effect so that they could pay for all of their pork for their states. So this bill is not getting better, which is why I'm actually a big fan of McConnell's decision to get it out onto the floor, because the reality is, is that the longer this drags on in a back room, the more these guys up their demands, they can do it without any, you know, uh, consequence to themselves because it's not happening in the open. I think they need to get a base bill, get it out there. And then if anybody wants anything more, make them pass an amendment and make them convince the rest of their colleagues uh, that this is uh, a good thing to vote for. And if not, then understand that this is how democracy works its ways. They'll have had a chance to make their argument. And if they don't win, that's just too bad. Um, but they need to just get it on the floor, begin the process, because I think at that point, too, you have grassroots groups that are going to mobilize. The pressure significantly increases at that point for people to get to yes. 
What happens if they don't get a bill passed in the Senate, Kim? Do you think that there would be some legitimate pushback and and political consequences? I mean, how long do we give them before we say this is unacceptable? Or or are we are we already should we already be there as Republicans? Yes, we should already be saying that this is unacceptable. I think the delay over the last couple of weeks was unacceptable. They were elected to do exactly what they're supposed to be doing right now. And the consequences of this, in my mind, are severe. I think if they do not get this bill passed, that they say goodbye to the Senate next year. Because if they can't even do their number one campaign promise, then voters are going to legitimately ask, we gave you the Senate, we gave you the House, we gave you the White House, and there's nothing standing in your way to doing this. You set up a system by which you can do it with 51 votes, a simple majority. You can't blame the Democrats or a filibuster. But if you can't even agree, so if you fail, it's because you couldn't agree yourselves. You've chosen to not govern. And yes, they will pay a political price. Do you think the Democrats are planning to just run a, a we will impeach Trump campaign for the midterms or they'll be? Do you see any the beginnings of of uh, a message? Uh, my understanding from the Democrats, I mean, my understanding is they've already embraced the at least we're not those guys. That's what I've been. That's what I've seen. Yeah, their messages are going to be twofold. One, that this is a corrupt administration, uh, and you see that every day with the uh, you know, stories that they're doing about Russia collusion and, and various other things. I saw people now talking about the Hatch Act, whether or not if Donald Trump Sr. talked to his son, he violated the Hatch Act. I mean, they're going to try to get him on anything. So that will be one side of it. But the other piece of it, and this is what Republicans need to understand in Congress, will be, look, Republicans can't govern. They are incompetent. You know, at least when we were there, we got things done. Uh, We passed Obamacare to begin with. They can't get their act together enough to unwind it. So why should you allow them to continue being in charge? You know what's scary about that, Kim, is that's actually a pretty that's a pretty compelling if they don't get health care passed. It's a pretty compelling argument. It is a compelling argument. And, you know, I think the other thing that Republicans need to understand is not only the risks of that argument, by the way. And so for all those who are out there saying, oh, you know, just let's let Obamacare collapse under its own weight. Let's not do anything. Democrats will get blamed. Baloney. It will fall on Republicans. But the other thing they need to understand is Democrats are not going to cooperate with them on anything under any circumstances. So, you know, all those that are now saying, yeah, we want to work with you, work with us on a health care bill, they'll water this thing down until it's a disaster and then they'll pull the rug out in the end. I mean, there's just there is no way that Democrats are going to cooperatively help Republicans with an agenda in any way, shape or form. And the GOP needs to get past any belief that that might be the case and realize that this is all on them. One more for you, Kim. What's the one thing that you wish Donald Trump, if you could give him, if you could send him an email tonight that was like, please do the following, uh, Commander in Chief, it would be what? It would be to, to begin using that megaphone he has and leading his party. Because look, but you know this as well as I do. We've watched politics for a long time. One of the reasons that parties in a minority struggle to do anything is because they have no natural leader. And one of the reasons majorities get stuff done is because they're all behind a person who's in the White House. And the problem we have at the moment is the majority that's sort of in a minority status in that the president is not out there. You know, what he ought to be doing is giving an Oval Office address on why you want to do health care and how it's going to help people. 
um, and, and, and which not only pressures Republicans, but reassures the public about the mission here. Uh, he needs to be out there every day tweeting not offensive things <clears throat> about the media or Chuck Schumer, but concrete examples of stuff that's not happening because Democrats will not confirm his nominees. You know, we've got two people that have been appointed to sit on the Federal Energy Regulation Commission, Regulatory Commission, FERC. Its job is to approve pipelines. Right now, it does not have a functionable quorum. It can do no business. Nothing is happening in that area because Chuck Schumer is obstructing these nominees from being confirmed. So I would love to see him start making very powerful issues about Democratic obstruction and his policy agenda. Messaging discipline and policy focus. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Let's hope it happens. <laughs> it would be great. Kim Strassel, everybody, check out her book, The Intimidation Game. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's in The Intimidation Game, How the Left is Silencing Free Speech, and read her columns on The Wall Street Journal. Kim, thank you so much for the time. Always great to have you. Thanks for having me. Follow us online at Buck Sexton on Twitter and Instagram. Whether you're streaming, gaming, video chatting, or doing it all at once, GigSpeed Internet from Xfinity makes you a multitasking champion. That's simple, easy, awesome. Learn more about GigSpeed Internet or ask about other popular plans. Enjoy faster downloads, more of the gaming you love, and a better streaming experience on all your devices. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store to get a great offer. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.